know I'll not die. Hallelujah, by and by. Life is so right And to a home On God's celestial shore I'll fly away Oh, now I'll fly away Oh, glory I'll fly away And I'll Hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. And when the shadows of this life have grown, I'll fly away. And like a bird from prison bars has flown, I'll fly away. Bye bye, I'll fly away. Oh, now just a few more weary days, and then I'll fly away. Oh, to a land where joy shall never end. Shall never end. I'll fly away. Oh, now I'll fly away. Oh, glory, I'll fly away. And I'll not die. Hallelujah, by and by. I'll fly away. Come on now. By and by, I'll fly away. I'll not die. Oh, I'll not die. Hallelujah. By and by, I'll fly away. 
So praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let all God's people praise the Lord. Shake off those heavy bands, lift up those holy hands, let all God's people up those holy hands, let all God's people praise the Lord, oh now praise the Lord, oh now just praise the Lord, let all God's people praise the Lord, shake those bands, shake off Up those holy hands, let all God's people praise the Lord. One more time, oh, and now just praise the Lord. Oh, now praise the Lord, and let all God's people praise the Lord. Oh, just. same key. We'll keep the same pace here a little bit. Uh, let's sing the song. I think it's called I'm in this church. I used to sing this as a kid and used to love it. And uh, there's funny stories with it. So, but we'll go ahead and uh, just sing this this evening. So I'm in this church, this glorious church. I did not join. No, I was born. I had any birth. Some glorious day, gonna celebrate. It's by His grace, not by my works. I'm in this church. Oh, I'm in this church. This glorious church. I did not join, no, I was born. I had a new birth. Some glorious day, gonna celebrate. It's by His grace. Church, this glorious church, I did not join, I was born, I had a new birth, some glorious day, gonna celebrate, it's 
Before we take our needs, white as snow, white as snow, though my sins were as scarlet, Lord, I know, Lord, I know that I'm clean and forgiven. 
So we just want to uh, remember Brother Johnny and Sister Doris uh, Reynolds, who are not with us. They are away traveling. So we just want to remember them. And uh, some of you may remember uh, Brother Martin Dilling, uh, who used to come here uh, several years ago. Uh, but then they moved uh, out west, but they still listen to our services. And uh, he just uh, went through open heart surgery and has come out. Uh, he's doing well. But they just want us to remember him in prayer this evening uh, in the recovery phase of that. So uh, we just want to remember that. And I have a note here uh, from Sister Connie uh, just saying uh, thank you for all the prayers uh, for Troy and I. God bless you all. So glad to be doing better and at church. And I know uh, we just uh, want to praise the Lord for that this evening. And it's good to see them back there. So uh, I just want to, uh, at this time, I know many of us have unspoken prayer requests. So uh, just by the lifting of your hands, the Lord knows that need. And if I could uh, just have uh, Brother Pew come up and uh, pray over these prayer requests at this time. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you humbly, Lord, and ask, Lord, that you take these prayer requests, ask nothing but your perfect will for each and every one. That spoke, Lord, across the pulpit, every unspoken prayer request, Lord, we just ask that you take full control now, Lord. All the saints here tonight, Lord, we just ask a blessing on each and every one of them, Lord. And our pastor, Lord, just, we just ask that the word finds fertile ground, Lord. We ask all these things in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. Let's sing that song, uh, So Glad I'm Yours, this evening. We just want to welcome you. Uh, like I mentioned, we have several who are visiting with us. And uh, we do have a special this evening from one of those visitors, uh, Brother Cade, I believe, uh, from Indiana. Correct? Okay. So uh, just we'll sing this as you uh, prepare to come on up here and uh, do that special for us. So glad I'm yours, Lord. So glad I'm yours. So glad your mercy has followed me. So So glad 
Check, check. I did not plan on singing tonight, but Sister Jessie Cockman had asked if I had a special. I was like, yeah, sure. But we did not um, practice this in a few days, but except for in the car. But just pray. Pray that the Lord uh, adds a blessing to the song and speaks to your heart tonight. I won't forget the wonders of how you brought deliverance, the exodus of my heart. Cause you found me, you freed me, held back the waters from my release. Oh, Yahweh. God who fights for me, Lord of every victory, hallelujah, hallelujah. You have torn apart the sea, you have led me through the deep, hallelujah, hallelujah. sign that you are with me. The fire by night is the guiding light to my feet. Cause you found me, you freed me, held back the waters from my release. Oh Yahweh, you're the God who fights for me. Victory, hallelujah, hallelujah. You have torn apart the sea, you have led me through the deep, hallelujah, in freedom into the promised land and I will not forget you I'll sing of all you've done death is swallowed up forever by the fury of your love cause you stepped into my Egypt you took me by the hand you marched me out in into the promised land and I will not forget you I'll sing of all you've done death is swallowed up forever 
by the fury of your love. You're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You have torn apart the sea, you have led me through the deep. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, oh, and you have torn apart the sea, you have led me through the deep, hallelujah, Appreciate that special this evening. Let's uh, just put it in the key of F. Let's sing that song, Lead Me, Lord. I'm sorry, C. If you would just stand with me, we'll ask the ushers to come after we finish singing this. So lead me, Lord, I will follow. Yeah. 
for this opportunity we have to be able to gather in your presence again tonight. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that you would forgive us of every offense, anything that may be contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because, Lord, we know that things that happen within us can stop the moving of the Holy Spirit in an assembly like this. And, Lord, we want to put everything under the blood tonight. Look at us through that sacrifice tonight that you made. Have your way, Lord, we pray. Refresh our spirits, Lord. And I ask, O oh God, that you would just teach us, Lord, from the abundance of your word. Father, you are the author of the word and you know it best. We pray, dear God, that you would just be mindful of those who are sick and needy. Lord, those who need your help and your touch. We commit our time into your hands now in the name of Jesus Christ and for your glory, we pray. Amen and amen. And everybody said... Thank the Lord Jesus for being saved and knowing it. Let's take our Bibles tonight. Let's go to Revelation chapter 4. Thank you, musicians. We appreciate their contribution tonight. Let's take our opening screen there, if you will. Revelation chapter 4. We welcome all of you here tonight, and uh, good to have you back that have not been here the last little while, and good to have you all uh, with, with us tonight. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated tonight. A couple of very brief things here. First of all, I asked you on Sunday, and we prayed for Brother Burley Williams, uh, that he would achieve the right A1C level so he could go through the surgery. And uh, he said... He had a test done today, and apparently the results will be a day or two later, and uh, we trust that then uh, he'll be able to do that. He said the doctor felt like it was probably going to be good, and so we're thankful for that. Um, wanted to 
just remind you here that our uh, men's meeting, September 23rd to 25th, uh, for 18 years and older, we are going to have a registration uh, date that's set in the month of July. We're going to try to get it as soon as we can so that uh, folks can make plane arrangements because plane arranging is very difficult these days. And uh, even the airlines are telling you not to fly. If you've got any common sense, don't fly anywhere. And uh, so we're going to try to open up registration just as soon as possible. We have a limited amount of space available because we're not going to use the trenches up on top of the hill. And uh, we will have a special link for our men here. And uh, we will let you know about that link and uh, make it available to you uh, a little bit later on. I'm going to ask you as well to remember, uh, most of you will probably remember Brother Tim Ashong, who is here from Ghana, shorter brother, uh, and uh, does lots of missionary work. He comes by generally every year, and uh, he, has, um, he has some serious health issues going on that I just found out about on Sunday afternoon. And uh, Brother William, who's in our assembly, uh, he is um, uh, Brother Tim's nephew, and, and we've been working together with our doctors in the church and then uh, with his physicians over there in Ghana, uh, because he's probably going to require surgery. So I just ask you to remember that in prayer. I was just talking with uh, Brother William uh, Ansong there uh, tonight just before I came out, but I never got the, the final issue. He had a, a tele, uh, telehealth appointment from Ghana in the uh, Charlotte today with a doctor there, and um, hes uh, I don't know the results of that particular interview. So... Uh, we'll certainly let you know. But I just want to put his name out there so that you can, if you have a prayer list, uh, you'll put it on there and remember him in prayer. And um, we just trust that the Lord will undertake for him. Brother Tim is a great faithful uh, worker for the kingdom and does work in lots of areas that not too many people would be able to go into or would even want to go into. And uh, he's uh, just been a fearless, uh, fearless soldier. So... Um, Let's, uh, this evening here, what I want to do is uh, jump right in. We talked a little bit last week about uh, this particular subject here, the earth and new earth. And we talked, uh, mainly just took a little theme to introduce the title here where science almost gets it right. And Brother Branham was referring to some of the things, that, the statements that scientists uh, had said and Einstein had said. And he said, now that's speaking scientifically, not scripturally. And we were talking a little bit about uh, how that science can sometimes come close because they're observers and they're testers. They like to test things that take place in a natural world, and they try to explain things in natural uh, terms. But a pro- when a prophet comes, the, the, vantage point, the vantage, uh, advantage that a prophet has is that he's lifted higher, and so he can see things from a different perspective. Whenever you're higher, uh, you can see things uh, more clearly. And so uh, we, we're talking about this present earth and the earth we live in and the earth we're going to. It'll be a new heavens, a new earth uh, that we'll be moving to. And so we want to talk about this whole idea of getting from this kingdom to that kingdom and what that kingdom will actually be like. Now, <clears throat> I, I wanted to preamp, pre, uh, preamble with this little thought, though, tonight. And I... Um, I just want to say this very sincerely here. 
uh, tonight before you. And uh, I found this statement, and it just sparked my thinking here. So just give me a couple of screens uh, as we describe this tonight. And this is really more of a prayer request. In the second coming of the Lord in 1957, Brother Branham said, The world, in its wild, pandemonic conditions, has got completely out of control. How many would say amen to that? Things are not like they were, right? Nothing really is the same as what it used to be. He says, out of control, every man-made organization in the world. Kings cannot hold their subjects no more. Neither can dictators hold their subjects anymore. Democracy cannot hold its subjects anymore. What a statement. And there is no hope left but the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Without a vision, the people perish. And that word perish means to spin without control. Kind of like a hurricane or a tornado spins without, without any kind of controls to it. And that's what the, the verse in Proverbs chapter 29 uh, refers to, that uh, without a vision, the people spin out of control, without any controls on it. And so we find in our world today that this is really true. Political powers are not strong enough to contain the people or hold the people. Years ago, we didn't have near the problems that uh, we have today. And a lot of it is because, uh, you know, things are just spinning out of control without any restraint. And people do whatever is in their, in their mind. Uh, kings, dictators, democracies, governments, they can't hold this together. They'll never be able to hold it together in a sensible way. The only one who can do that is Christ, and he's only holding it together because you're here. One day you'll be gone, and then it'll spin out of control, and you don't want to be here. But because we live in a world where those are the conditions and those are the characteristics of our time, then there's a despondency about our world. There's a, a kind of a, uh, an oppression about our world. And uh, I'm not saying here tonight among believers, but believers, as believers, uh, we feel this because we are in a world that's falling apart. We're in a world that has no hope. And when you have no hope, it's hopeless. And so therefore, you know, there's a, there's a sense of this that we all feel because we're human. And you can feel the desperation that people have. You can feel the senselessness that people have. Whether, you know, uh, people will throw their hands up and quit and walk away and they'll talk negatively about everything. And a lot of people are like this. They wonder, well, where do we go from here? What do we do now? What's next? You know, I mean, uh, if we elect a government, which government? If we elect a leader, which leader? We, we, we're, we're coming to the end of, uh, you know, quality governing, if you like, uh, you know, in, in our world today. It's kind of a sad scenario. And if that's not sad enough, let me make it a little sadder, all right? This was something that um, I, I found, and I, I get this mailed to me. Uh, this is a negative experience index. Did you know there was a negative experience index? This is a survey of people... Uh, that uh, Gallup does, and Gallup sends me this automatically. I don't go looking for it, but they send this to me. And they were, they were questioning people about how they felt through the year. And th- this was especially significant last year because it was a, or in 2020 because it was the first year of the pandemic. And it, w- it was, it was uh, an increase in the amount of negative feelings people had. When they came to 2021, they said it was worse than in 2020. The percentage rise of people's feelings about the times were actually worse. And so this is, this is a scientific indication of how the general population actually feels about the times. This was something that Lucas sent to me, and I, I never had never seen this one. And this is a, a, a trend that Gallup had done since 1944 after World War II. 
uh, where they were asking people, basically, did they believe in God or a higher power? And they say that that number now of people is lower than it's ever been in history. And it's mainly lower among younger liberal Americans. You see that middle paragraph there? Younger liberal Americans least, least likely to believe in God or a higher power. And these show significant drops in the, uh, in the feelings that uh, people in that age category or that, uh, that demographic actually have. And so uh, it's quite interesting that uh, a lot of people feel like, well, I don't need God. God doesn't seem to help. Uh, things happen anyway, no matter how I pray. Lots of people look at, look at life that way. And they respond to that. So w- when they do these surveys, this is just a general indication here of how people are actually feeling about uh, the times that we live in. I have good news. That's the end of the bad news. I have good news for you. First of all, let's say this. God is here. Do you believe that? And we are here. And what should we say to the, these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I believe this, that God is with us, and we are here, and if God be for us, who can be against us? And for the bride of Christ, we look at the the falling apart of the world very differently than the world that is falling apart looks at itself. They look at itself continually with the hope of repairing it. We look at it as a time stamp that will soon be gone. Not that we wish anyone's demise. We don't wish that California would crack off and millions of people would drown in the ocean. We don't, we don't wish that upon anybody. We don't wish anybody to make it into tribulation, right? We don't wish anybody would perish in the, in the unbelief and the tragedy that tribulation is actually going to be. We, as a matter of fact, I would do whatever I could. I would, I would in any way do anything I ever could, I could in order to reach somebody or witness to somebody or share the light or uh, speak uh, truth and speak something positive in the ears of somebody who would listen. I'd, be, I, I, I'd do anything uh, in my power to throw a lifeline to somebody who's out there in the cosmos and try to uh, you know, bring them to shore and bring them on the solid ground. I, I, I would do that, and I'm sure that that would be your heart as well. But we cannot make people believe. We cannot give people a revelation. We cannot predestinate somebody no matter how much we love them or care for them. We can't sympathize somebody into the kingdom. God knows them that are his, and we're thankful for that. But while we're here, I want to be a representative of the kingdom in the best way possible, and I want to do whatever I can to shed the light, spread the light and, and shed the truth as much as I possibly can. Uh, so that people would have a place to turn. They'd have, uh, you know, a, a light in a dark place. I, that's, that's what I would want to do. And so we live in a time though when we feel these things here. And I'll say this, that, uh, and, and I say this with all due respect, <clears throat> there are a lot of times when uh, people in this world uh, struggle with different things and even struggle with things emotionally and very often are, are reluctant to say anything about that or reluctant to put a prayer request in. Because we'll put prayer requests here all the time for a broken leg and a cold and COVID uh, positive test. But sometimes when people are going through things or they feel overwhelmed emotionally, we don't say anything because you and I both know there's a real stigma related to that. And a lot of people wind up suffering silently. And I'd say in the message it's just as bad or worse than anywhere else. And I'd like to have a shout-out tonight in prayer for those people that struggle that way because I know it's real. And I don't think it's fair that, uh, you know, very often we don't uh, deal with those situations as, as uh, well as we possibly could. 
And uh, I, I, hate, I just hate to see somebody suffer silently because it is a real thing. Brother Branham addressed it. Brother Branham dealt with it. He ran into it in the prayer line constantly. People go through it. They experience it. But I believe this, that God is a healer of any kind of a problem you can face. Of any kind of a situation that we face, God is a healer tonight, same as he ever was. And I really don't care what people call me for just saying that because I hate to see people suffer because no one's willing to say it. We don't want to see any type of disease in our midst. We don't want to see any sort of a malady uh, among us here. But I will tell you this, there's many people who suffer in silence because they say, well, if I say anything about that or how I feel, then you know what? People won't even think I'm a believer. Well, if you broke your leg, I'd still think you're a believer. If you wore glasses, I still think you'd be a believer. If your hair got thin and fell out, I'd still call you a believer, right? You understand what I'm saying? And that really is a, that's a, a stigma, it's a hang-up that people have in our society because we all want to be, we all want to portray an image of John Wayne and, uh, you know, all the other, all the other type stuff there. But you know what? Uh, in, in the real world, sometimes things are very difficult to cope with. I believe there's a God who delivers, there's a God who heals, there's a God who cares about what you're going through, and you should go through the same things as everybody else does who has a a sickness or a malady that has cast our cares upon God. Repent for anything that's wrong in your life. Go to God, throw yourself at his feet, and have somebody pray for you. If you're you're in contact with somebody who uh, you'd have confidence in praying for, and trust God for your healing. Do whatever you can do, and trust God for the part you can't do. Because I believe he's still a healer tonight, same as he ever was. Is that all right? Still believe I'm a Christian? All right. Now, let's add a little piece here to it and say this, that Jesus warned us in Matthew 24 about the last days that uh, there would be an abundance of false things also that are uh, are disseminated around the world. And because of this, uh, iniquity shall abound and the love of many shall wax cold. And he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. But this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then, thank God, and then shall the end come. And we shall be taken from this world. Now, let's talk a bit bit about this uh, idea of moving from this world to that world. Okay? Because we have to get out of here. But for the most part, especially tonight here, looking at all you young folks that are here, you're probably not going to go through the door of death. In other words, you're not going to live long enough to experience that. Some, of the, some, some people may because of age. Some people may because of calamity. We don't know. But a lot of you that are listening to me tonight will probably not go through the door of death in order to get into that kingdom. Well, then you better listen up. Because you've got to find out how you get from here to there without death and simply by walking a certain way, right? Because Enoch walked with God and then God took him. So we've got to find out how that works, right? So you young people, now don't drift. Don't think about that girl you saw last weekend. Stay with me right here. Now watch what Brother Branham says in Unity of One God in, one, in the One Church, 1958. God's kingdom, he said, is not of this earth. God's kingdom is not of this earth. God's kingdom is where? Say it. In our hearts. It's a spiritual kingdom that we're born into. Jesus said the kingdom of God comes, uh, he says, not without violence. He said it also comes without observation. And the kingdom of God is within you. The Holy Spirit, watch now, here's the important part. The Holy Spirit, God's kingdom, moving in the man and governing and controlling him, that's the kingdom. 
So when you see the Holy Spirit moving and governing in a person's life, that's the kingdom of God on earth. Right? You follow me? When somebody forgives, when somebody goes the extra mile and gives them their cloak, when somebody, uh, you know, has a revelation, when somebody uh, surrenders their heart to Christ, whatever it is that takes place, or when we lay hands on somebody and, and there's a healing that occurs, that's the kingdom of God operating in this earth through human flesh. Do you believe that's possible? Yes, sir, it absolutely is. That's why, that's why the Holy Spirit came, right, to continue the work of Christ in the body of Christ. And so, therefore, God's kingdom, he said, moving in the man and governing and controlling him, that's the kingdom. And we find that these nations go about deceiving one another, nations of the world, and holding a knife to one another's back and so forth. Uh, their, their motives altogether are different. But this, the, the kingdom of God is on display when, when, when the Holy Spirit has free sway in your life to fulfill God's word and God's purpose in your life and manifest the attributes of Christ, Right? But you know what? God never gave you the Holy Spirit to keep you here. God gave us the Holy Spirit to get us there. Right? This is great. This is right. And this is what should happen in your life. Every day that you live, the Holy Spirit should have the right and the ability to control and govern you and lead you and guide you and convict you and move you into the place He wants to move you into. But you know what? That's all a temporal thing until we move out. Is that okay? Because that's what he's really trying to do. Now, last Wednesday night, and this is the only holdover quote here, Brother Bam talks about these two kingdoms, and he says they can't exist, they can't coexist. And he said, now, second paragraph, if we're to have a new earth, the old earth and a new earth cannot exist at the same time. One's got to give way. And there can't be two world orders together at the same time. In order to get the new earth, the old one has to die. And if the old one has to die, then it's giving birth pains for a new one now. So in birth pains, he's describing this whole process of how it takes place here. Just like, uh, you know, you can't be in two bodies at the same time. You can't be in this body and that eternal body, 2 Corinthians 5, 5, 1. You can't be in that one over there at the same time you're in this one. So one of them's got to give way, right? One of them's got to die, and you step into a body over there. Or if you're here in the change, then you drop this one and you step into that one over there. Either way, you've got to get to that body. But you can't be in that body and this body at the same time. If you were in that body over here, people would go, whoa. And if you were in this body over there, people would go, whoa, 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 whoa. So you can't be in two bodies at the same time. One of them's got to give way. Well, we can't have the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God on earth, while this kingdom is in place. One of them's got to die. And you know what? This kingdom is dying. Right? This, this world is decaying. It's, it's all going back to the original, the way that God intended it in the first place. Are we okay? Everybody say amen. amen. Especially you young people now. You gotta, you gotta, you, you're the folks this is for, really. This is one of the best young people sermons you'll ever hear. Because it's going to get you out of here. All right? Now, remember I told you before that if there was an asterisk by the beginning of, a, of the title of a quote, it was important. Remember I told you that before? But here, there's two. Okay? Just saying. Now, we are approaching the seven seals. I looked all last couple of days for this quote, and I found it just before I came out. And I was thankful for that. 1962, this is October and Brother Branham says now we're approaching the seven seals. He does not have any idea at all what those seals actually contain. He doesn't understand the significance of the opening of the seals. He doesn't know the individual mysteries that are contained behind all those horse riders. He admits that. 
I could show you that in lots of places here. But he's excited because he knows somehow we're entering into another pull of the ministry, the third pull, and that pull is going to be greater than the other two. And this one's going to be involving the opening of the Word, and we'll have an open book, and things will be different when we get there. He doesn't know how, but he knows this is an exciting time to be moving ahead in the, in the program of God. All right? So he says, now we're approaching the seven seals, and we just finished the church ages. And this is a message on teaching that ties in, the man in, that's going to be redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus. How many people is that here tonight? First of all, you're redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus. Let's see your hand, seriously. And is going to be in that church age, that eternal church age at the end of the seals. How many is that here tonight? Do you believe you're going to be in that eternal church age at the end of the seals when all this winds up? All right, so this is for you. This is a message on teaching that ties that man in to that. Wow, this is exactly what we need then. Now, we know that we have seven trumpets, seven plagues, seven vials, and so forth. We get into it as we go along. Remember he said they explode or they illuminate like a Roman candle. When you have fireworks, and we're coming into the season of fireworks here, that when we, uh, when we, uh, when we set one off, uh, and they go into the air, then five more or so burst off that one, and then as they you know, fly off, five more will burst. It's an exponential display of light. So Brother Bram talks about this revelation. Once we get to these seals, he said, we've come through the church ages, we've come through Daniel 70 weeks, we've come through demonology, we've come through spoken words, the original seed, and all those little series that he's done. But now he says we're coming into the seals here. And he says, and we do that. He said, whoa, it's going to be a burst of light. And from that light is going to come more light. So from those seals, and then he says a token here is a new light that comes. And he says, this should have followed the seals immediately. But they burst one after the other after the other. And all these illuminated sermons come. Hey, Christ the mystery of God revealed comes, right? And shalom comes. And the rapture comes. And modern events make clear. Future home. Somebody ought to say amen. Thank you, Jesus. We're glad we got those sermons. So Brother Bram's right. He's not, he's, not, uh, he's not defining exactly what's coming here because he's really not sure. He doesn't really know. But he knows that something good's going to happen when the word comes open. All right? He, I can show you quotes. Or some of you are looking at me saying, oh, Brother Bram doesn't know. Oh, he didn't. He admits that. And he, but he knows that this is the right progression. This is the right way to be going. And this is the direction that God is leading him here. And he knows he's following this and signs all along the way. So... This is that message now. This is this uh, preaching here that ties this man to that kingdom. Remember now, it's not a literal rope. It is a revelation. It is predestination that ties you from, gathers you from this dimension to that dimension over there. And this is that which describes it. This is that which talks about it here. Okay? Stature of a perfect man. And he, he, he goes into the teaching here on this particular sermon, and then he moves right on to that. In 1962, comes to the end of that, and then into the season where the seals are open in less than six months. Okay? Now, <clears throat> to me, one of the most um, incredible things that God allowed us to see in this particular age and the life of Brother Branham was his life story. We don't know anything about the life story of any of the other prophets or major figures in the Old Testament or the New Testament, right? 
What do you know about the Apostle Paul except all of a sudden one day he's on a horse riding along and the light strikes him and he falls off the horse? We don't know anything about his childhood. We don't know whether he was ever married. There's lots of things about the Apostle Paul we don't know. Or Elijah, right? The Bible says that Elijah, the Tishbite. What's a Tishbite? I'll give anyone, I'll give anyone a reward if you can tell me what, accurately what a Tishbite is. Does that mean that he's from Tishba? Or does that mean that he was bald? I've heard both. Anyway, there's a reward for anybody who can come up with a definition of what a Tishbite is. We don't know anything about Elijah, where he came from. We don't know anything about his growing up. We don't know anything about his childhood, what school he went to. We don't know anything at all about him. But with this prophet in this last day, we got an intimate look into the, uh, into the innermost part of his life. And he tells this story with great compassion and great emotion every time he tries to get through his life story. Now, let's just look at it here, and this is the one in 1950, and he's talking to Hope. She's on her deathbed. And Brother Branham's over her. She's going. She's fading. She's going out. And then she says to him, I want to tell you something, honey. He shouts at her because he knows she's dying. And he, 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 he's it. this is their moment, right? This is their moment when she's passing away. Now, stop for a minute. Don't read it. This is a tragedy of tragedies, this Ohio River flood. I wasn't alive during this time. But I do know this, that I saw a documentary one time on the Dust Bowl. And in that documentary on the Dust Bowl, I mean, it was terrible in the Dust Bowl. If you know anything about the Dust Bowl, it was terrible. And during the Dust Bowl, the people who were directly affected by the Dust Bowl said, we felt bad for the people who were in the 1937 flood in, in Indiana. Because they heard, they heard the news. They saw the pictures. It was so bad. And so many people died. And so many people died in the aftermath of that flood that even the people in the Dust Bowl, their hearts went out to them. And have you ever seen the Dust Bowl? My goodness, it was terrible. So this whole event is really terrible. And hope is in the basement of the hospital. There's not enough beds. Well, you know what that sounds like. And, you know, the doctors have done what they can. They've gone on to somebody else. There's no hope for her. And her brother Bram's daughter has got uh, meningitis, and she's on the way out. There's nothing. They, they kind of, you know, raise their hands. There's nothing more they can do. And brother Branham's over her in this private moment they have in the last minute of her existence on the earth. And she says to him, I want to tell you something, honey, I'm going. And it's glorious to go. And I was on my road, and I had someone by each arm look like white angels. And they were taking me down through a white path to my home. And I could hear you calling me way back up the road. Honey, you're just as peaceful, great palm trees, birds like the dawn of a morning in the tropics. She was describing how beautiful it was. And I heard your voice, and you called me back. And she said, so here I am. And you know what I think, Brother Branham said? I think she was just on that breach between the natural and the supernatural. And she said, I've been taking a walk. She's in that space between here and there. And as she's walking that and describing it and enjoying it, he calls her back because he doesn't want her to go. He's left in this misery here. 
and the, the crushing sadness of losing his wife. And he hollers for her. And in that paradise, she turns around and hears and says, hold it, and goes back and says, honey, this is what it's like. And she made him promise a couple of things then. She made him promise that he would not stop preaching. And uh, she also made him promise that when you go home, she said, I've been saving money for that gun you've always wanted. And she said, if you go in the kitchen and go up on the top shelf and there's a piece of cardboard over it, but there's a jar and there's nickels in that jar. Brother Bram said, I went home. And he said, it broke my heart. There was like $2.75 there. And he said, I just looked at it and wept. And he went and bought the gun. Hey, listen, I could put everybody in tears in, in the, by the telling of the story. And Brother Bram never gets past this in the telling of the life story, if you've ever listened to it. And if you've never listened to it, you ought to listen to it. And you ought to listen to him by an audible tape and, and hear him say it. Promise me one thing, she said, that you'll always preach this glorious gospel of the Holy Spirit. It sure pays when you're going. And everybody said, you may think this is just another Wednesday night, but this may be the last service that somebody sits in. And you know what? It sure pays when you're going to have the right thing, have heard the right thing, and to be in the right place with God. And, and she said, it sure pays when you're going, Bill, and I guess you know why I'm going, don't you, honey? Now, that would pierce any man's heart because... You remember Brother Branham now, he listened to her mother and she talked him out of going in the ministry when he should have gone. Remember that? And I said, Brother Branham said, don't say it. She said, no, no, it's not your fault, it's mine. And I said, yes, honey, if I wouldn't have listened to your mother, wouldn't have listened to, I would have listened to God instead of some woman, I'd been better off, wouldn't I? And she said, that's right, honey, but it'll come out all right for you. That's, I, I could go on and on and on because it's such a moving thing. But I wanted to just include this just to say this, that he said, I think where she was was in that spot, in that breach. Now, when you're in a breach, you're not there, but you're not here. You're in between. Okay? So you're, you're, you're in this, you're, you've stepped into this place where you're not, it's not really there, but you're not really here either. You're in between. Uh, think about this in the scripture, it, like when Boaz stepped in to redeem Naomi, right? She's not redeemed, but here is Naomi laying at the feet of Boaz, and he stretches that robe over her to include her as well. And he's doing the work of a kinsman, and he's not finished yet, but they're not back there either. They're on their way. So in a sense, this is kind of like a breach right here. Now, if you've, if you've read the Seals book, one of the most exciting chapters and to me this is a personal note here to me one of the most informative and fascinating chapter uh, sermons in all of brother Bram's ministry is that that sermon called the breach between the church ages and the seals now i i, I don't know how you feel about it but i i hope you've read it and if you've never read it you need to read it because i'm going to be dwelling on it here in the next little while i give you this book but i'm not because it's got my markings in it, and I don't want to give it away. But if you don't have a seals book, you don't have a, the breach uh, sermon, you come see me or let me know, and I'll make sure you get it. But you ought to read it, because he's tying two things together. In other words, here's a bride coming out of the church ages. Are you following me? And, and then the seals and all that means, and he's not, we're not there yet, but we're not there either. You understand, we're not, we're not there in the opening of the word, in the open book, in the changed body, in the millennium. We're not there yet, but neither are we back in the church ages either. We're kind of in between in that breach position going to the eternal church age. Wow. 
I tell you what, that would, that would, you know, you may, you may think, well, tomorrow morning I gotta go to work. You're not just at work. You're at a place where you're in between that and this. You're on your way. And tomorrow, I got good news for you, you'll be a day closer than you were today. You'll be a little closer to that kingdom than this kingdom over here. You may think, well, it's just another church service and, you know, just just uh, this or that. Or, uh, another year has gone by. Hey, listen, we're a little bit closer to that than that over here. But we're in this breach period. And for you to be in the breach and to recognize you're in the breach and have a revelation that you're in the breach means that you're somehow, God's got you between two actual entities or two kingdoms, if you like. One kingdom that's going to stay behind and one that is bound for glory. And there's no going back out of the breach. The breach only points one way. Hallelujah. I could get excited about that. So this is what he says now, that we are in this place where, and she was in that place, where um, she was between the, the... Natural and the supernatural. Now, so then this leads us to this place here. Because I've said to you before, the church ages are specific events with a specific time frame. Brother Branham comes along, identifies a messenger. The span of the age, they're all measured until the seventh age. And then he says it'll be a quick short work and runs out. Seven messengers, each with a unique message, a prophet at the beginning and the end. And these this are, if you like, more ordered than the seals. The seals, we would describe, I would describe as their packets of information or descriptions of things that happened when the seal actually played itself out. And uh, a white horse rider went out, and he had a particular function. He had a, he had a role to play. But then God countered that with... The images that we know, which are the, uh, the image of the lion and the ox, and the dark ages, and then the man and then the eagle and the last of it. So there was something that Satan was doing and something that God was doing. They were not specifically nailed down to a particular year, but there was a season when the white horse rider ran, and then the red horse, and then the black horse, and, of course, then they were all mixed together in the end of it in the gray horse. But they remained hidden behind seals. So what was in the book of Revelation was hidden because God sealed it. And whenever God hides or seals or obscures something, like being in a glass, looking through a glass darkly, you really can't see much of what's going on, right? It's like looking at a driver um, through a tinted window. You, you don't really, you're not able to give them the full facial expression that you want to give them. Anyway, this begins to be described after the church goes. This begins after the end of the church age description in Revelation 2 and 3, which are the church ages. And then, then there's a, a section opens up in the book of Revelation beginning in chapter 4 and 5 and goes on until 19. Now, those, those are interesting details. Now, <clears throat> let me give you a little, just a little groundwork here. Believe it or not, I'm not going to be long, although this to me is a nice platform to add in lots of different pieces. But watch this. 1960, Brother Branham said that this one thing is true, and he says this several times, 
If Satan hates any book in the Bible, it's Revelation. He hates all of Scripture. But if anything he despises mostly is Revelation and Genesis. Why? Because Genesis tells the beginning, tells really what happened. And you know what? It identifies where the blame really belongs. Right? It was not fruit planters. Secondly, Revelation reveals the destiny of everyone, not just the culprit in the beginning. But the destiny of everyone is sealed in the book of Revelation. Destiny speaks of finality. So therefore, this is a really significant thing. You can talk about parables, prophets, pillars of fire, commandments from the mountain, all the other things that happen in the, in the Gospels, which are great. But origin and destiny are two critical things that Satan knows he can't really tolerate you knowing and God revealing. So Revelation reveals what's going to happen to him, Satan, in the last day. And he's going to be bound a thousand years. And then him, the false prophet, and the beast is going to be thrown alive into the lake of fire. And eventually the lake of fire is consumed and it's gone. And he does not have eternal life. He has an everlasting season of punishment, but he does not have eternal life. Is that all right? This is one-on-one, okay? Now, therefore, when it comes to this then, if, if origin and destiny are on the line, then we need to make sure we divide rightly the word of truth. And this is what, this is what Paul cautions Timothy to make sure you divide rightly. So don't assume things you don't know. And if you assume things that are, uh, inaccurate, make sure you make that right when you get the accurate understanding. Like Brother Branham said, I always thought we'd be a puff of, of cloud when we died and went to heaven. I'd never be able to shake Brother Nibble's hand. Where did he get that? From his mother. The Holy Spirit reveals to him what happens to a person when they die. This is where they go. And he knows exactly now what takes place. And he comes back and corrects the error. I think that's great. And when he does that now, he's rightly dividing. In the first part, he's dividing. But now he's rightly dividing because he's got truth. And rightly dividing means to cut straight, proceed on a straight path, and to hold a straight course, and to teach the truth directly and correctly. Here's Brother Branham teaching the truth correctly. Watch these next few screens here. He said, 1964, this is really, really powerful. Uh, it's been veiled through the ages. The mysteries have been veiled. Christ has been veiled. All the things that were hidden were veiled through the ages here. He says, according to what God said, they'll be opened in the last day. The seals will be broke. And the full thing would come into view of the people, what's taking place all along. Isn't that great? I think that's great that we'd know all the things that were hidden through the ages. Now we're going to know. And when would that take place? The hour of the seventh angel's message. He doesn't say the hour of the seventh angel. Because therefore we could then certainly say it's over. But you know what? I kind of believe I'm still walking in the light of the seventh church age, seventh church age, seventh angels message. How many of you? How many of you can say it right? Huh? How many of you believe that that's right? That we're still walking in the light of that seventh angel. We're not walking. We're not walking. You know, as mimics to Brother Branham or clones to Brother Branham. Not at all. But we're walking in the light that God reflected through Him to the church from the Holy of Holies. Is that okay? 
So he says, when, and I love this, because he tells us what's going to happen, and he tells us when's going to happen, and the hour of the seventh angel's message, all, say it with me, all the mysteries of God should be made known in that Elijah in this last hour. Well, you know what? Again, Brother Branham's not here, so we can't ask him a question. And Elijah himself is not here, and we can't ask him a question. But remember what God did. He took the spirit off Elijah and put it on another one. And then he took that spirit and put it on another one. Put, took that spirit and put it off on another one for our age. And it's in that ministry, it's in that anointing, that this, this revelation would occur. And he says, all the mysteries of God be made known in that Elijah right there. You know what? There were all kinds of other people who claimed to be Elijah. Alexander Dowie claimed to be an Elijah. But you know what? He wasn't. Because he wasn't vindicated. And vindication is God's way of removing all doubt that what you're hearing is actually from God. I know it's Wednesday night, but let me say it again. I'll say it again because it is Wednesday night. Vindication is God removing all doubt that what you're hearing is actually from God. You ought to thank God for vindication because otherwise you'd be like everybody else in the world and say, I really like him, but I really like him too. And I like what he says, but he says something a little bit different. But I really like both of them because they're great speakers and they sing like a dove. We'd be caught up like everybody else, picking and choosing and saying, I like this about that person, I like this about this ministry, and I like that about that church over there. Vindication helps you understand that what you're hearing is actually coming from God. You'll be thankful, very thankful for vindication. You can listen to any sermon on tape whatsoever, and you'll hear vindication. In other words, God's saying, wake up, don't look any further, this is it. Can I give you another one? This... Now, look, look here. This was 1964 June. This is 1964 July. This is the complete revelation of Jesus Christ. He is so confident and so assured of what he's saying. He repeats it over and over again. This is the complete revelation of Jesus Christ. That's a pretty powerful statement. And the seals had the mysteries all hid of what it all was. And it's supposed to be open when? In the last day. At the Laodicean age, at the end of time. How many believe we're living in the end of time for the Gentiles? We still got a little squeak of time left, but we're at the end of time for the Gentiles here. He said, thanks be to God. This finishes the message to the church. He's pretty confident here in what he's saying. Can I give you another one? And now, 1964, this is August. All right, so every month now. And he's saying, and now the opening of the seven seals that was given by the Holy Spirit, the seals was to make known what had been left off in the dispensations behind us. So here's Martin Luther back here with a real perfect, perfect understanding of justification and how you could stand and be a sinner and be justified as though you never sinned in the first place. He had it. He got it out of Romans chapter 5. He knew. He understood. He knew he had it right. And Martin Luther was a person that went through Catholicism and confession and all the other stuff. You know, uh, bless me, Father. You know, it was so many, so many weeks since my last confession. Now, you know, you've heard my confession stories and, and all the other things that Martin Luther went through and knew that he was never really forgiven until he came to Romans 5. And then God quickened that. He had a perfect and absolute understanding of justification. He was absolutely right. And here he is over here preaching the Trinity. He's still believing in the Trinity. Right? Because he doesn't have the whole picture yet. And so the opening of the seals is not only to give the completeness of it, but also to pick up those loose ends that had been left off through the ages. 
Here we are, 1964, again, the Feast of the Trumpets. Now the hidden mysteries of Christ was fully revealed in the seven seals. He's not saying, I hope. He's not saying they're partially revealed. He's absolutely certain that this is a full revelation, the full revelation that the church has longed for and that the church needs. <laughs> All right, great coming revival and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Here's what he says. This is in 1954. Some time ago, I was having breakfast in a room at Washington, D.C., and Mr. Nixon, the VP of the United States, was speaking at that time. And he was talking of how communism was sweeping the land. Now, remember now, Brother Graham said people will speak scientifically and they'll speak politically. He said that isn't always necessarily scripturally, right? So they can get it almost right. And this is partly true. And a lot of the sweep really was J. Edgar Hoover. He worked everybody up into a frenzy about communism. And, and a lot of it was overblown. And I realize that may be inflammatory to some, but nonetheless, Brother Branham says, for instance, now the goal that the world faces, communism has this much of it already. And he, he does some measure. And then what part, that part is mixed up between believers and unbelievers. He's actually talking about the mark of the beast here because some people feel like and are preaching that communism is the mark of the beast. And so he says believers have been mixed up here. And Christ said, you go back and read this sermon. That's, what he's, that's the context. And Christ said that the gospel should go to all the world. So every Christian's got a tremendous job ahead of them. Every Christian's got a tremendous job ahead of them. What's my job? I didn't know I had a job. I thought I was under grace. I thought I just had to listen to Brother Barry preach all the time. Now watch now. He's saying... I was listening to, to world leaders. I'm listening to the vice president. I'm listening to other, what other ministers are saying. They're, all, they're saying many different things about the mark of the beast and about what's happening and communism. And we know that Brother Branham came along later and said, now, look, folks, don't fear communism. Fear Romanism. There are three curtains in the world, the iron curtain, the bamboo curtain, and the purple curtain. He said, you watch that purple curtain. Right? So Brother Bram's not fearful of communism, although people are saying that. And the vice president's actually saying it, and he's sitting there listening to it. But he says, now, every Christian's got a tremendous job ahead of him. All right, here's your job. Your job description, everybody, pay attention. If you make notes, here's where you need to make, down, make note of this. Every person in his own church get behind the pastor and the program, back it up with all that we have to back it up with. Go to church. <laughs> pay your tithes. Take communion. Be a part of the body. And that's why I'm putting my shoulder to the wheel, as God will permit, to try to bring each one the view, to try to bring to each one the view, the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not here to tell you about communism. I'm not here to tell you about all the other woes in this world. I'm here to make sure you understand you're living in the day of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, second time, and he's going to catch his bride away. And you know what? Your job is to act like a believer and do what believers do when they're converted in this last day. And he said it's a very discouraging time for an unbeliever, but a very happy time for a believer. Well, we believe the time of redemption is drawing near. Is that all right? I can handle that. I can handle that job. I think. By God's grace, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I can handle that job. How many of you can handle that job? Wave your hand like this. Why are you having us wave your hand? Because I wanted to see if you'd actually do it. 
it's a very discouraging time for the unbeliever. You know why? Because the believer, they, the unbeliever, they got all kinds of other jobs and other job descriptions. They're not reading this. They're listening to all kinds of things out there. But it's a very happy time for the believer. You know why? Because we've been pointed in the right direction. We have an absolute, which is the Word of God. We have a destiny that we know about. We're actually, we're actually whether you believe it or not, we're actually standing in the breach. We're not, we're not in the world. We're of the world, but we're not in the world. We're not in glory, but we have representation in glory. i got a body waiting for me over there, but I'm not there yet. You know what? And I feel the pull. I don't know about you, but I feel the pull to go over there. Amen. What in the world do we have to live for here? I know if you're single, you're saying, hey, Brother Barry, relax, cool your jets. I understand that. But all my boys have been married, so I'm not too worried. Because I don't want my grandchildren to get married, that's for sure. But we're not, we're not there, but we're not there. But we're in that breach. All right. We have Mitchell over here. but All right, so here's the question. What happens next? What happens next? <clears throat> we know by definition the shout has already occurred. You believe that? The sh- sorry. The shout is a message comes forth from God. How many believe we have the message? The only way you could get it is by this, from the Lord himself. The Bible does not say that Brother Branham shall descend from heaven with a shout. He was on earth at the time of this coming. You read the breach. He was on earth at the time of this coming. And so he has, he has, he's given a message to bring to a bride church at the who's who's alive at that time and then he says following that there's a paul says there's a voice of the archangel that same voice that brought lazarus from the dead is the same one that will trigger the resurrection and then the trump of god a trumpet always sounds in the old testament a trumpet sounds in order to cause a gathering now you got to know what the trumpet means right because if the trumpet sounds and you don't know what it means it could be retreat retreat Everybody pull back, retreat. And if you don't know what it means and you thought it was charge, you're going to be going in the wrong direction. But trumpets are used to signal a gathering. So we're obviously not waiting for the shout. But the dead have not arisen yet. So I'm suggesting to you we're in between the two. Huh. All right. Here's our problem. When we talk about these things and we talk about spiritual things, here's our problem. We're bound by natural measurement and time. That's our that's our problem. And Brother Branham says, he says you can take a mic, uh, telescope and you can look out 120,000 light years, and he said that's not one sixteenth of an inch in eternity. He says. You say, well, how, how can it be done? He said, you know, Jesus come from heaven to earth in a thought. How can it be done? Well, he says, how do I know? The only thing I know is inches, yards, miles, days, weeks, hours, and minutes. That's the way we figure. We understand everything in terms of time and space, right? Do you believe God is limited by time and space? No. He is limitless. He is omnipresent. He's not hindered by a restriction in terms of space or time. God can do anything. God, hey, God can do tremendous things. 
He can tell us what's going to happen in the future, and he can tell exactly what took place in the past. God is not hindered by any of that at all. But he says, that's the way we figure. That's the way we calculate. And we might say, wow, you know, it's been a long time. It's been a long time since Brother Branham stood on the earth. But in God's perspective, that may not be a long time at all. That's just the way we look at it, right? That's the way we figure. We're in the womb of the earth, and we're bound inside the womb of this earth. But wait till we're born on the other side, and wait till this change comes. There won't be nothing to it. You watch. So in other words, he's saying that there's going to come a day when you're going to break out of this dimension that has the controls of time and space, weight, distance, all over it, into a world that has no barriers whatsoever. He said, wait till that happens. I mean, this is just extraordinary. But this had to happen before we got there. God had to gather all of the church ages through time until the very end. Then Christ would return and catch that bride up and away. But we can't go until everybody's in. Because they, without us, are not perfect. And we, without them, are not perfect. We are perfect only when we are complete. And Christ came, Christ founded the church. He's the cornerstone of the church. He's also the capstone of the church. And he's the one that's going to make sure that that bride is all complete and all in place in every age. And then shall a change come. Wow. So that's how we're going to get from this, this dimension to that dimension when he's ready. Not us. But when he's ready and all the bride is included, all the bride is quickened, all the bride is ready to go, that's when we're going to go. We're not going to go based on the marriage of the members. We're not going to go based on our wishes. We're not going to go early. Neither are you going to go late. I believe we're going to go through together. Because even the scripture says to us that we will gather, the living will gather with those that have gone on in other ages. And there'll be a time period where we're mingling here on the earth and then gone. I don't know how that's going to happen. I just believe it is going to happen. Brother Branham talks about it happening back in the first resurrection. You remember that? And Abraham and Sarah are walking around. I remember this and I remember that. And then somebody recognizes Abraham. And Abraham says, oh, hey, Sarah, we better get out of here. And then they're, they're mingling actually here on this earth with all the resurrected saints in this sort of near dimension of this one right here. And then all of a sudden they're gone. Wow. I think that would be neat. To be able to just kind of mingle around and travel like a thought and... You know, you'd be able to go to the White House and just kind of listen in or whatever else. Not that you'd want to go there. I could think of a lot of other places I'd rather go. But nonetheless, this is all going to have to be complete before it takes away. Here's the beautiful thing. You're living in the day when this capstone is in sight. You're living in the day. All the other ages waited long for this day. They looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. All of a sudden now, we're in the age when the opening of the seals means that Christ comes into plain view. Because the seals are taken off. Do you believe he's in plain view? Whoa. 
Can I leave you with one statement? Brother Branham says, now this seven, this is not the seven seals. He's, he's talking in the breach now. He said, this is not seven seals. He said, this is the breach between them. There's also a fourth chapter of Revelation. And, that, and in that, it kind of reveals something that would take place after the church goes up. And that the church goes up on the third chapter of Revelation, does not return until the 19th. And therefore, therefore, categorically, therefore, absolutely, therefore, according to the scripture, the church misses the tribulation. Let's stand to our feet. Now, that's the introduction to this. I think this is just exciting because he's laying out to us exactly what's going to happen here. And I think it's a wonderful thing for us to go home and make sure you understand and remember and think about this, that you're not going to go through the tribulation. Look, we only know the tribulation in theory. In theory, we we know what it's probably going to be like. In theory. But eyes not seen nor ears heard what's coming on this earth. I will tell you this. Based on what I know, it'll be, according to Brother Bram's words, the worst time for anybody to live on the earth. Of all times. Worse than the Holocaust. Worse than the Holocaust. And I've seen uh, some of the death camps. And I've seen some of the places where the Holocaust actually took place. And it'll be worse than that. I'll take my way out. I'll take my way with the despised few. I'll take my way out. I'd rather be gone than to go through that for sure. And he's telling us that the church or the bride does not go through the tribulation. Later on page 139 he says, Now I no longer call you church, I call you bride. So what he's, who he's referring to there is the bride of Christ. And he says, this, this bride, she actually misses the tribulation. So when you look at the order of events for you, you're, the tribulation's not there. Because when that's on their list of things to do, on your to-do list is to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Glory to God. I'll take that. I'll take that over anything else. I'll take that. Because if I get over there in a new body and I see my name card over there at that table, whatever form that table is, that means you've made it and you're never going back. It's not a temporary thing. You've made it and you're not going back. My goodness. My goodness. David, that's all right. That is all right. What are we playing, Matt? I'm going up to yon. Let's sing it, Mitchell. <clears throat> I'm going up to yonder. I'm going up to yonder to be with my Lord. I'm going up to yonder. Yes, I'm going up to yonder. Lord, I'm going up to yonder to be with my
the king just every day. I'm walking with the king. Hosanna. Blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna. Blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, for He is worthy to be praised. You believe that tonight? Oh, magnify the Lord with me, for He is worthy to be praised. Sing it out. some of you non-singers sing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we've had in your presence tonight. It's just so wonderful to see how plain you've made this word. It just unfolds and reveals itself just like your prophet taught us. We are the recipients. We are the people who are blessed. And now in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that the word would sink down into every heart. Lord, help us, I pray, to quicken our step. Walk with you in a way, Lord, that's pleasing to you. And knowing where we are is so important, Lord. We're not stuck back in the cosmos. We're not in eternity, but we're not stuck back in the cosmos. We're in that breach. We're in that place between here and there. You even said, Lord, we're somewhere between earth and glory. And I pray now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would help us, Lord, as we transition from this world to another world. Heal those that need your healing touch. Encourage the discouraged. Protect the vulnerable. Reveal yourself to those who do not see. Lord, I pray that you would add to the body such as you would have to be saved. Bless our families. Bless the balance of our activities this week. And may all of our footsteps be ordained of you. Lead us in your perfect will because that's the only thing we desire. And Lord, we will give you thanks in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Praise his wonderful name. It's been good to be in his house tonight. It has. Appreciate that song, boys. You come back and sing that anytime. And we start it off with Jehovah. Let's end with Jehovah. And sing that again. 
as we go tonight. May God bless you. Hosanna. Blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna. Blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation.